With the power of Tandem HR, you are in the fast lane on Main Street with Get Down to Business with Shalom Klein, the show for business and jobs. Now, the champion of networking, the advocate of jobs, the guru of business, your host, Shalom Klein. We are all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at ShalomKlein.com. And while you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. It's a live show. You could call us with your questions, comments, and frankly, I'd love to hear from you if you are listening, because I know there is a little bit of a, of, I guess they call it a game where a bunch of people toss around the football and tackle each other. And uh, I don't know why that would be more appealing than listening to Get Down to Business. But uh, if you are tuned in, I'd love to hear from you. You can call us 312-642-5600, 312-642-5600. And we are powered by our good friends at Tandem HR, your solution center. You could give them a ring, 630-928-0510, 630-928-0510, or check out their website, tandemhr.com. They are our solution center for everything except for the Super Bowl. Um, so tonight, indeed, we have a jam-packed lineup of guests, and uh, would love to hear from our listeners. In fact, I just heard from Jim from uh, it's his LinkedIn, says that he is a professional soccer player, from Houston, and he wrote uh, in a LinkedIn message to me this morning that he listens to the show every week. So, uh, Jim, I'm not sure where you heard about the show, but I'm glad you're tuned in all the way from Houston, Texas, um, and enjoy the game tonight. Uh, So we've got a lot of good friends and listeners all over the country. Indeed, we're approaching the three-year mark of this program. Uh, And We've shared a lot of tips on this program over the past few years for business owners, for job seekers alike, and uh, always love to hear people's feedback on what has worked for them. Interestingly enough, uh, one of the comments uh, that, uh, or the subject that I get comments on almost more than anything is the tips that I've provided on communication. And it's always fascinating to me how people communicate or lack thereof of communication skills. Um, It's fascinating. And sometimes I wonder how in the world some people make it in business. So throughout this program today, I'll be talking a little bit about time management and ensuring that you are being proactive with communication. But I want to start with the basics, which is what I call reactive communication. And it's absolutely baffles me that in 2017, Some people just don't get the idea that, A, you have to be reactive, meaning following up to an email is not an option. It's a must if you want to be successful, if you want to have clients and you want to grow your business. But also, not just that you have to respond, but how you respond is important. So, for example, if a prospective client emailed you a question, you probably want to make sure that you're following up in a timely manner but how you're communicating is equally as important, meaning you can actually lose the opportunity for good. If they emailed you a question and you looked them up and found their phone number and you called them, that would be considered rude in communication. I, I deal with job seekers all the time, and this is fascinating. So many job postings these days have to say, no phone calls, please. And 
some job postings, by the way, actually ask and they say your follow-up phone call will make a difference. That's your cue and that's your instruction to indeed follow up and pick up the phone. You want to make a good impression. Follow the instructions. But if somebody emailed you asking a question, you want to respond to that email. It's that simple. Respond to the email in a timely manner and respond to the points. Don't write out a long narrative, respond to the point. That's the best way to get your message across. Email is, in fact, the most widely used tool for business communication in the workplace. Most people read and compose at least 50 to 60 emails a day on average. I know I'm dealing with many, 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 many times that on the average day. But again, almost everybody in the workplace is dealing with a large amount of communication And when we get to time management shortly in today's program, we will talk about how to block out time to ensure that you're that you're being effective with email communication. But remember that poorly written and unclear and misleading or ineffective emails not only cause a loss of time and productivity, they're actually harming your reputation because you're leaving a bad impression on the reader. I would say that it becomes imperative that you have to make the best possible use of emails to communicate effectively at the workplace. And by that, I mean both internally and externally. And to do so, you have to keep in mind some basic email etiquette. And I want to real quick walk you through some really important tips that I've found that have worked for me and have worked for so many of our listeners on Get Down to Business. And as always, feedback is so helpful. You could always call 312-642-5600 over the next hour. Let me know what you think of the email communication, what's worked for you. You can always get on the website, shalomklein.com. Send me a message. Let me know what's working for you. Who knows? I might share your tips on the air. But email is only effective when it's relevant. Email may be convenient, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best means of communication in every situation in the workplace. So keep in mind, if you're initiating an email, meaning you're not replying to a message, you have that option of choosing which method of communication you're going to go with. Email likely, in many cases, is the best choice. I agree with that. But keep in mind, before you start writing that email, ask yourself, is it really necessary? And do you need to email at all? Will a phone call or a face-to-face discussion be a better option. Listen, I'm not one for meeting after meeting after meeting, but sometimes actually sitting down face-to-face with somebody for a quick one to two minutes, you could actually accomplish the objective in a much shorter amount of time rather than having 19 emails going back and forth. At some point, it's too much already. In fact, I instituted at an office that I was involved in uh, for a while, I instituted a scrum meeting We did that, uh, at one point we did it every morning, but uh, at some points we did it once a week. We had everybody in the office and nobody was allowed to sit during that meeting. And the idea was if we make it uncomfortable, then we could have a 10-minute quick huddle on all of the relevant issues for the day, for the week, and we can knock it out. And that actually, I found, it saved everybody in the office from so many emails. And emails is time and time is money. Uh, Speaking of time, Keep in mind the subject line is really important. Always add a subject line to your emails. It drives me nuts when some people leave the subject line blank. Put in something basic. It doesn't need to be a long subject line. But on that note, don't write your entire email on the subject line like, Hi, Bob, checking to see if we're confirmed for the meeting at uh, XYZ Restaurant. Please confirm and let me know. You can call me. And all of that information is in the subject line. Yes, I've seen some of those emails. 
At the same time, don't leave the subject line blank. Emails without a subject line are overlooked as spam more often than not. The subject line, as the name suggests, must be specific to the content of your email. Treat an email subject line as you would a newspaper headline. Use it to grab the reader's attention while summarizing the main idea of the email in a concise sentence. And I'll be talking some more about that very, very shortly. I'm going to be talking about email marketing on today's program. Again, today's all about effective communication, so we'll talk about email marketing shortly. But I'm talking more about internal and external communications, but individual emails. For example, monthly planning report, January 2017, February 2017, instead of a simple word of report or a blank subject line, it specifies which report the email is referring to. And if you're like me, you use your email search for everything, for everything. And you rely on that uh, Google search or Yahoo search or whatever uh, email browser you're using, you rely on the methods for that. And it's always a good idea to think about what you want to write before you actually do so. It helps in adding clarity to your message. Organize your thoughts in a logical sequence before jotting them down. And Hold yourself back. I know it's tempting, but hold yourself back from writing inappropriate messages. I I will be very honest with with all of you get down to business listeners, and I will tell you that that's something that I've improved at over the past while is that I've actually scaled back from email communication. Sometimes I just felt like firing off a message. Now I actually hold back, and sometimes I give myself an hour and think about it for a second because sometimes my my nerves get under my skin and I, I might write something that I might later regret. So hold back and give yourself an hour to think. Keep your messages clear and brief. Your sentences should be short and to the point. Long and badly structured sentences simply confuse the reader. The length of your email is so important in determining how your how effective that message is going to be. And research really shows that people don't have the time or the inclination to go through long, tedious emails. It's ideal to keep your emails as short as possible without, without eliminating necessary information. I've got a lot more tips for you coming up after the break. We do indeed have guests on today's program. Um, and I know for all of you, the listeners that are tuned into the show, you're eager to hear more information about how to make your uh, business and your professional life more successful this week. We've got more tips, advice, and information coming up on the program today. Don't touch that dial, Chicago. You're listening to Get Down to Business. We are powered by our friends at Tandem HR, your solution center. Check them out, tandemhr.com, or give them a call, 630-928-0510. And as always, check out my website, shalomkline.com. That's your download podcast from the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. We'll be right back. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer from the WoodfieldNissan.com Traffic Center. Heard by our good friends at Tandem HR, your solution center. Check them out online, tandemhr.com, or give them a call, 630-928-0510, tandemhr.com. That's the site for so many great resources, a fantastic blog about everything HR and everything Obamacare-related, and we'll see how much longer Obamacare will, will be around But while it is, you need access to the information that will affect your business. Speaking about your business, before the break, we were talking about ways to use email communication to your advantage, and we've got a lot of information still to share with all of our listeners. Um, We'll be talking throughout the program about email marketing, about time management, Um, but I wanted to get back to what we were saying a few minutes ago about thinking about what you want to write before you write it. 
you'll actually find that your communication will be received that much more effective. When your information is received and it is more effective, chances are you're going to get the outcomes that you want. That means that you don't want to write a long, drawn-out email. Uh, and as I said just a moment ago, people don't have the time to go through long emails. It's helpful and it's ideal, really, to keep your emails as short as possible without eliminating the necessary information. But you want to avoid miscommunication by keeping the content clear, organized, and contextual. Begin the email with a salutation. You don't need to write Mr. or the Honorable. I usually write hi. Some people write hello. Um, and then I'll put in the person's first name or the last name, if per, you know, Mr. whomever, if, I'm, if I don't know them all that well. You want to write very briefly what the purpose of your email is and some context. And then you want to probably write a paragraph or so. And then by at the end, write the question and then sign off with a greeting um, and your name. It's that simple. In all, based on my calculation over there with the welcome, a quick sort of summary of what you're interested in, a quick question or, or the purpose, um, and then the close, you're talking about maybe a two-paragraph email in, in total verbiage. You want to close uh, with a very clear ask to make it easy for people to figure that out. If they're just quickly skimming and browsing, people will want to uh, want to see that as quickly as possible. And the emails you send are a reflection of your professionalism. Emails at the workplace have to have a formal tone to them. There's a higher chance of miscommunication over emails because your words are not accompanied by gestures, body language, facial expressions, and although emojis, I guess, help with that. And your reader may easily misconstrue your words. So you want to be polite, choose your words wisely, use proper pronunciation, and avoid capitalizing all your your words. I will provide a bit of a caveat to that that, uh, comment. And there are people that I'm more comfortable with. And after usually my first email, I'll write hello or hi or something like that. But after a few emails, I don't feel obligated to write hi again. At that point, I'm sort of, it's, I'm responding to the points and trying to make it as quick and simple and easy as possible. If you want people to respond to you, you want to make it easy for them to respond to you. For instance, there's more chances of you receiving the report that we talked about before, that January 2017 report, with a please send me the report or, you know, send me the report over a all caps send me the report. A polite message always elicits a more favorable response over a harshly worded one. Exclamation marks are not seen as formal and should be avoided in, in routine emails. Whole words and sentences when written in capital letters are considered extremely rude and unprofessional. And an email can be effective only when the language used is grammatically sound and is spelled correctly. If the reader cannot understand what you've written, there's hardly any chance of them taking any action on it, which basically means that your your email, your message, is completely and totally ineffective. An email filled with spelling mistakes also makes you look incompetent. So review your messages before sending them. Make it a habit to proofread your emails and use spell check. Your emails must always give an impression of being well thought out. And good email etiquette maintains means that you do your best to respond to business communication as soon as possible. And I'm going to share some time management tips for you. But when you don't respond properly, you come across as unorganized and unconcerned. Even if you're not able to attend to an email right away, this is really important. Write back a line back in acknowledgement saying that you've received it and you'll attend to it shortly. It shows professionalism. Write not an email that you would not want to be a recipient of. 
Keep that golden rule in mind when sending emails in the workplace. And I cannot emphasize enough, this applies both to internal as well as external emails. It, it really makes no difference at all. Very, very, very important to, uh, to, to maintain professionalism within the workplace and outside. But let's talk time management because I know that all you small business owners, you're probably thinking, well, that sounds great, but that's for somebody that has a secretary. That's for somebody that has administrative support. What about me? I'm doing everything. I'm stocking the shelves. I'm scheduling my appointments. I'm doing the marketing. I'm doing the sales. I'm cleaning up at the end of the day. I don't have time to be formal. Um, first of all, you do. If you want to have the outcomes that you want, you want to grow your business, focus on the details. But as a small business owner, you know that your time is the greatest asset. You can lose money and get it back. You can even lose a business and get it back, but the time is irretrievable. That's why you've got to protect it like a hawk. So I wanted to share uh, in the next few minutes, I wanted to share some quick time management tips for small business owners. Seven ways you can do a better job protecting your time now. Number one is start with time logging. Before you do anything else, you need to complete at least one day of time logging. Grab a sheet of paper, a spreadsheet, and from the moment you wake up until the the time you hit the sack at night, your job is to track every minute of your day, listing the task that you've done and the total amount of time that you've spent. You need to track everything, and I really mean everything, in order for this to be useful. Try not to change your behavior on this day. Just be sure you're measuring what would be a typical workday for you and identify your big time wasters. Once you log that time, you'll see where you're wasting a lot of time. Take your time log and total up the time of day you tracked and then try to categorize all of those activities. Do some basic calculations to determine the percentage of time you spend on each activity. The goal here is to fit the areas where you're spending way too much time. Categories to consider are email, phone calls, meetings, breaks, errands, and other non-productive tasks. And you want to use a, uh, a technique which involves setting a timer for 25 minutes while you focus on one specific task. Then take a short five-minute break before starting the next task. Personally, I use a variation of this depending on the type of project that I'm involved in. And apply the 80-20 rule. Most of you business owners, professionals, you've heard this rule in the past. One effective way to determine where you should spend more time is the 80-20 rule. The 80-20 rule basically says that 80% of your results come from 20% of your efforts. So your job at effective time management is to increase the amount of time you're spending each day and each week in that 20% category where you're going to get the greatest results in your business and less time everywhere else. This is a process. So keep applying it every week until you have a very clear idea of where you can get the most bang for your minutes. And delegate but don't over-delegate. Obviously, being an effective small business owner means relying on other people to help you get work done. The key thing about delegation is to avoid abdicating. That is, you avoid. You need to avoid giving employer responsibilities without effectively preparing and training them for the task. This is huge. Part of making this work is hiring the right people, but it also requires investing time and training them. And avoid your employees. Speaking of employees, once you've got them trained and working effectively, it's time to avoid them altogether as much as possible. Employees will eat up your time if you're not careful. The bad employees will eat up your time with constant problems. So always best to hire the right ones. And I guess you could refer to past weeks of Get Down to Business where we talk about identifying talent and training them well. But even the good employees will waste your time with their well-intentioned efforts to garner your attention. 
We call it the teacher's pet syndrome. If you can at all muster it, I would suggest setting up your personal office away from the main areas where your employees work. Remember, your job as a small business owner is very different from the job of your employees. And beware of that shiny object syndrome. I know you're probably wondering, what in the world is Shalom saying? Beware of the shiny object syndrome. Do everything you can to avoid being pulled under by shiny object syndrome in your business. Shiny objects will pop up from time to time, and they will do everything to distract you from what you're trying to achieve. Now, new opportunities are good, but be sure they don't become bad. What time management tips work for you? Give us a call, 312-642-5600, 312-642-5600, or visit my website, shalomkline.com. That's where you can download podcasts from Get Down to Business and contact me, like Jim from Houston, Texas, whose LinkedIn profile says that he's a professional soccer player. Um, contact him, uh, contact me rather, uh, like he, like Jim did, and let me know what tips are working for you. But again, time management is really important. Email communication is really important, and we'll be sharing shortly in the program. We'll be sharing some email marketing tips. That's. When I refer to email marketing, I mean blasting it out to hundreds, maybe even thousands of people, how to make sure that your emails are going to be received and you're going to get the desired outcomes. But coming up after the break, we're going to be talking with a judicial candidate who's running um, for Cook County judge. Judges certainly have their impact on the business community. We all have been to small claims court. Uh, judges have an impact on families, which have an impact on businesses. So we'll be talking with a judicial candidate coming after the coming up after the break. We've got more business tips, advice, and information coming up for you after this break. You're listening to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship, and we'll be right back. Here on Get Down to Business, we love to spotlight the people making an impact in the community, and my next guest is certainly a prime example of that. I've, I'm joined by judicial. Candidate, soon to be judicial candidate, I believe, Ioana Shalijana, uh, who is running for Cook County judge and is a highly respected attorney, uh, admitted to the Illinois bar after uh, receiving her JD uh, from Loyola University in 2000. Um, Ioana, thank you so much for joining us and Get Down to Business. No, no, thank you for having me, and I, I uh, am honored to be on the show. Absolutely. So, before we get to the campaign, which I certainly want to talk about, and I know that this is uh, you, this is sort of breaking news here on Get Down to Business about the campaign, let's talk about you and your background and uh, and, and what sort of led you up to this point. Tell us about yourself. Sure. Um, I am an immigrant from Romania. I came here when I was approximately seven and a half years old, um, and my father defected for approximately four years before we came, and we arrived in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, we had a little bit of a rough time, dealt with some um, some limitations financially, but uh, eventually my dad was able to go to law school, finish law school, and obtain a job in um, Ann Arbor, Michigan, where we moved uh, when I was in eighth grade. I finished high school there. Uh, obtained a BA in political science from the University of Michigan, obtained a scholarship at Loyola School of Law in Chicago, and started practicing in 2000. And I know that your practice, um, your principal areas of practice are commercial finance, corporate transactions, commercial litigation, and real estate. Um, Obviously, all very important issues relating to the small business community. So 
these are you know, a lot of times when I talk to folks in the community and, and we talk about politics, you know, right now, obviously on the national level, I guess that's that's where a huge amount of conversation is taking place in the state of Illinois. There's a lot of conversation about the state budget. But I always stress that actually one of the areas to watch are what's going on in the courts and the judges that we are electing and the judges that are appointed to the bench. So you want to, you're, you're a successful attorney. You're, you, you've got a, a highly successful practice. Why are you deciding to run for judge? And I perhaps equally as important, why does that matter to, to our listeners? Why should they be paying attention to races like yours and others around, uh, around Cook County? I think my life experience brought me to this point. Um, I think I'm a little bit of every facet of society. I was uh, an immigrant, and we were able to get ourselves out of poverty. That taught me humility. Um, I learned to be open-minded, considering the fact that I came from a completely different social, economic, and political background, um, and adapted to a democratic um, environment, which was non-existent. Uh, under communist rule, we are very limited in our uh, freedoms, and adapting to a society which permitted you not only to say and do what you want, but to provide you with uh, the opportunity to create your own opportunities. And throughout my transition, I was able to uh, meet a variety of individuals. And I think to be open-minded and to have humility are vital characteristics as a judge. Also, I think it's very important to have a certain temperament. Considering that we were under somewhat of oppression, even myself as a child, when my father defected, we were uh, the target for punishment. I learned to um, have a certain temperament and not necessarily argue and be able to listen to others' opinion, even if those opinions came from higher up. And I think that's also a very important trait as a, a, a judge. Well, fasc- fascinating background. Uh, Ioana Shalajana, we're talking with uh, uh, attorney Ioana Shalajana, who, who's announcing uh, over the coming days uh, her campaign for judge. So uh, we don't have a lot of time remaining and certainly we'll be following your race carefully, uh, your race and so many others that uh, that are really important. But let's talk about the most important information that, that we need our listeners to to know. When is the uh, when is the when are you hoping to be on the ballot? When is the election? And uh, and and how can people learn more about your background and find ways to get involved? The elections are going to be in March 2018, the primaries, and I am hoping that I can get to know people in the Ninth Sub-Circuit, and by getting to know me, they would feel comfortable with uh, voting for me and placing me on the bench. So I intend to become active. Um, I'm already active, but more active in areas and uh, domains in the surrounding cities in the Ninth Circuit. That's fantastic. And final question for our listeners that don't know where the Ninth uh, Circuit is, uh, if you don't mind, just give the general uh, boundaries or or, or geographic area. Yes. uh, Skokie, 
uh, Lincolnwood, portions of Rogers Park in Chicago, Martin Grove, and the Nutrier cities. Well, very, very helpful. Uh, wishing you much success, Suana. We'll uh, certainly have you on over the coming weeks and months ahead. Good luck with the campaign. And uh, clearly, as, as you mentioned, the temperament and, the, and your background that has led to this is, is really quite impressive. And I hope our listeners will find ways to support your campaign over the coming months. Uh, coming up, we're going to continue the conversation about small business tips. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Down to Business. We are all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship, and we are powered by our good friends at Tandem HR, your solution center. Give them a call, 630-928-0510, 630-928-0510. Check out their website, tandemhr.com. What a fascinating discussion with Ioana Shalajana, who uh, who just shared with us a little bit of information about her campaign for Judge, and we'll be making points of talking about these issues over the coming weeks and months ahead, trying to be, as I was saying about email communication, proactive rather than reactive. Uh, So much of politics is reactive and we deal with the outcomes of elections. What about educating, educating uh, voters? Either way, I'm on my soapbox and it's a highly important issue. And and regardless where you stand, Democrat or Republican, I encourage you research, research the candidates, research the issues. I do not uh, support any one party. I do not support any one candidate or any one elected official. I think that there's something to learn from everybody, from everybody, president, member of Congress, state representative, mayor. There's something to be uh, to to look up to literally uh, about everybody. And uh, there's uh, there's things to be very disappointed about. And you follow the news and I think that part of the challenges in this day and age are that people are just so, they have their blinders on. And we've got the, putting it bluntly, I'm just going to jump right into the issue. You have the never Trumpers, the folks that are just everything that he says and does is is bad and wrong. I completely disagree with that. At the same time, the people that are just completely blind blinded to the fact that, that, that uh, a man that's elected uh, can't do no harm. The reality is, is that I believe that he already has mis- made mistakes and that there will be many more mistakes to come. But it's important to stay engaged on the issues. I, if there's one thing that our listeners should should learn, including Jim, professional soccer player from Houston, Texas, that our listeners should learn and should know is uh, from this program is to stay involved. Stay involved networking. I People often associate uh, my name with the word networking. Yes, networking is really important. Networking involves uh, staying engaged on current affairs and uh, staying connected with elected officials, making sure they know what you think. The only way you can complain uh, privately and protest is if you have not tried to change uh, the, the elected official or voted for the other person. There's an incident that happened uh, in in my community where uh, somebody told me that they were furious about something and they and they put up a sign, a very uh, derogatory and disrespectful sign about an elected official. And I reminded them and perhaps, perhaps, perhaps I may have gotten the point across that in our democracy, we don't vote against candidates. We vote for other candidates. So you disagree with somebody it's up to you to to find a candidate that you like and campaign hard for them or run yourself. But again, 
Democrats and Republicans, I implore you, I beg of you to stay engaged on the issues and over the coming year, over the coming year, as we go through 2017 and we end up in the midterms of 2018, if you're a Democrat, campaign, campaign hard, find the issues that matter, speak about those issues. But before you protest, try to make an impact. Republicans do the same thing. You don't like what a Democrat does, do that. I don't agree with any candidate, not a single candidate. I don't agree with any elected official and and with everything that they say or do. There will always be differences of opinion. Wow. Well, I was not planning on talking about that for a few minutes, but it is certainly an important issue. I do want to get to email marketing. Email marketing is a great way to reach your customers where they are where they are without spending a lot of money, but it's a big responsibility too. People don't give their email addresses to just anyone. So if you're thinking about starting a company newsletter, I've got some tips to keep in mind. And again, these are it's very important to remember email management is different for internal or external emails for individual communication. That's where I said, you know, write the salutation in the beginning of the email and end with a uh, end with a closing and with your name. When we were talking about email marketing, when you're sending it out to the masses, it's very different. It needs to be flashy. It needs to, that subject line, you can be cutesy and creative in order to get people to open up email messages. Think about the most recent email messages in your inbox and think about what caused you to open them. Chance start was a sale. Chance start was some cute subject line that got you to open it. So I'm going to be sharing those tips with you. You want First of all, you want to make it easy to subscribe. Let's start with the basics. You want to post a sign-up form on your homepage, on your blog, Facebook page, wherever else your customers and fans are already active. You might want to collect names and birthdays for a special offer or gift or invite readers to join groups, but don't go crazy with too many required fields. A too-long subscribe form might scare people off. And you want to tell subscribers what to expect, whether you plan to send company updates, a letter from the president, e-commerce sales, daily deals, weekly tips. It's important to tell your readers what to expect and how often to expect it. Give them as much information as possible on your sign-up form so they can decide whether they want to be on that list or not. And send a welcome email. It's always smart to remind people why they're on the list and reassure them that good things are in store. You might even send new subscribers a special offer or exclusive content as your way of thanking them for their loyalty. And you want to design your newsletters to fit your brand. Meaning if you're running an accounting firm or you're a law firm, you want it to be more professional looking. If you're running a uh, a toy store, then you probably want it to be bright and cheerful and colorful and more kitty. If you're using a template, you might want to customize it to include your company's colors and logos in the header. If your email is consistent with the rest of your company's content, then readers will feel more familiar from the start. After the break, I'm going to be sharing some more tips about email marketing and some more tips about email communication. You're listening to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Again, as your bonus for tuning into this special Super Bowl edition of Get Down to Business, we've got a lot more tips and advice for you coming up after the break. And you still have an opportunity to give us a call or contact us through the website, shalomkline.com, where you can download podcasts from the show or give us a call, 312-642-5600. We'll be right back after this quick break. Don't touch that dollar Chicago. You're listening to Get Down to Business. Welcome back to Get Down to Business. We are the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. If you tuned into the station expecting the play-by-play football coverage of the Super Bowl, you are listening to the wrong station. Change that. Touch that dial immediately. But if you're listening to business, if you want to hear business tips and advice, 
your tunes in the right station. Just kidding. You could tune in um, whatever you'd like to whatever you'd like to hear. We've got it all for you on the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. You're listening to Get Down to Business. I am your host, Shalom Klein. You could always get on my website, shalomkline.com, to download the podcast and hear many other business tips. We were talking about email marketing uh, before the break, and I just want to continue and share some final tips with you uh, to get your week off to a good start. When you're sending email marketing to large uh, lists, you want to make it scannable. Your subscribers are often busy people who get a lot of email, so it's safe to assume that they that you don't have their undivided attention. Instead of one long block, break it up. Break up the content into short paragraphs. Include subheadings and images to guide readers through your email and make it easier to scan and add a teaser to the top of your newsletter to tell subscribers what's in store. If you're sending a long article, consider inserting a read more link so people can get to the rest when it's convenient for them. Your subject line should be to the point and easy to digest too. You may even want to try something, and this is a longer discussion, but A-B test subject lines. That means you try one thing, and then you try a different one, and you actually get to see which one performs best. Send people the content that they want. Email newsletter services offer features like groups and segmentation that help you keep your content relevant to the group reading it. If you're sending different emails to different groups, for example, a nonprofit might send separate emails to volunteers, donors, and the board of directors, then you could ask people to check a box to join a particular group on your on your sign-up form. Segmentation allows you to target certain subscribers on your list without assigning them to a group. If your store is having a sale, then you can send the campaign only to people near a particular zip code because subscribers who live in other parts of the world don't need to know about it. You could segment by activity, email clients, e-commerce data, and when you send relevant content to keep your readers engaged, they'll actually start to look forward to the newsletter. Keep a publishing calendar. Regular newsletter is a major commitment. If you go several months without sending anything, then your subscribers will forget about you and they'll be more likely to delete the next email or worse. Market a spam, make time to plan, write, design, and send your new newsletters regularly. And regarding editing, even editors need editors. When you're working on your publishing calendar, leave plenty of time for the editing and revision process and make sure you... It's not sloppy. Make sure you have somebody that will proofread. Different email clients and mobile devices display emails differently. Send test emails to colleagues. And uh, most email marketing providers, uh, systems like Constant Contact or MailChimp, will allow you to actually uh, preview how it will look in Gmail, how it will look in Outlook. And think about mobile. That's really important if your campaign doesn't show up on mobile devices, it's not going to perform well. In this day and age, 63% of Americans and 41% of Europeans would either close or delete an email that's not optimized for mobile. So make sure you're using a responsive template, meaning that it will actually adjust to the size of the screen. And know your spam rules. A lot of innocent people send spam because they didn't know any better. Read up on the spam act to avoid any trouble. Put simply, you're allowed to send bulk email only to people who specifically asked to be on that mailing list. If you've collected email address for a lunch giveaway or an event invitation, then you don't have invitations sent marketing emails unless you've made that clear at sign up. Include an obvious unsubscribe link in every email. And don't forget to remind subscribers how they got on your list in the first place. You are listening to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. You uh, you can tune in um, every week, Sunday at 6 p.m. for many more tips, advice, and information. Um, next week, we've got another jam-packed show for you. Lots of fantastic guests. Would love to hear your feedback. Uh, check out my website, shalomkline.com, and you can let us know what you think about the program as well as 
Tell us what uh, time management tips and email marketing tips and email communication tips have worked for you. Get Down to Business is powered by our good friends at Tandem HR, your solution center. You can find them online, tandemhr.com, or give them a call, 630-928-0510, Enjoy the big game tonight. Enjoy Lady Gaga during the halftime show. Should be a lot of fun. We, uh, we will be back next Sunday at 6 p.m. To success, let's get down to business.